Welcome on back into the Slinging Sports Podcast. Episode 2 here with your host Jake and Wally, your co-host. Wally, week 2. Week 2. We did not fall off. We're back. Somehow, miraculously, we've lived to see another day of this podcast. Um, uh, I was very pleased with the outcome of week one, Oh, but I've got much higher expectations for week two here. Week one started off strong. We had, we talked about a lot, a lot of great things, but we just want to keep you viewers updated, you listeners updated. Um, there are, is going to be a little bit of an update. Obviously, last week, uh, we realized once the podcast came out on Friday, a lot of the stuff we had talked about, um, kind of, kind of out of the news, um, yeah, we, uh, as aspiring journalists, we quickly learned that in the news world, news is only relevant for so much for so time. Long. Yeah. For so long. And uh, we got burned a little bit. We um, did. We but did. we're going to make sure to not get burned moving forward. We're making an effort to get these out in a timely manner and to make sure that all of the news stays relevant. We're back. Better than ever, ready yes. to move forward, ready to ready to make an impact with this with episode two and going forward. Let's get it. All right, so let's kick this off. Let's start it up again. We're gonna start where we ended last week, the NFL. We're gonna talk about the Super Bowl right at the start of the show. How was that game this week? Um, the biggest takeaway was the meme that had been going around all season of Joe Burrow with Penny Sewell versus Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase. And the meme, for those that haven't seen it, uh, it's like a stick figure drawing, and it shows Joe Burrow getting sacked um, and not being able to throw the ball away, saying Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase and no offensive line. And the other drawing is uh, Joe Burrow having time throwing it downfield and saying Joe Burrow with Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman who's now with Detroit. Um, and that meme came to fruition. Burrow, yep. finally, he was under pressure, and he couldn't get it done on the very last play of the game. Pressure in his face by Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, by the way, in my opinion, would have been the MVP if it wasn't for Cooper Cup totally. on that team. Totally. Uh, Aaron Donald, completely deserving of his ring, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just an animal. Also got that third down stop. Let's not forget about that on yep. uh, Samaj P. Ryan, mm-hmm. which... Questionable choice by the Bengals, Over to mixing, be honest, yeah, to not have odd. Mixon in there on third down and, and running that ball. But um, overall, congratulations to the Rams. Yep. They just had their, their Super Bowl parade yesterday. Uh-huh. It looked Talk- like a pretty good time. Honestly, talking, about, talking about uh, Aaron Donald uh, partying on the bus with, yeah. the, with his shirt off. Yeah, you know, seeing, seeing that, the, those muscles flexing for us. Um, looked like a great time in L.A. yesterday. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Great game Sunday. Let's talk about the impact that that's going to have on these players. Aaron Donald, rumors floating around right now that he might be retiring. Correct. Uh, Before the game, a report came out that Aaron Donald was strongly considering retirement before the Super Bowl. And uh, the game happened. Obviously, they won um, the Rams. Um, I will personally say, based on everything that I've read people that I've listened to, um, it doesn't seem like Donald's going to retire. Specifically yesterday at the parade, he said, let's run this back. Um, It's very possible that could have been an in-the-moment thing under the influence of some liquids or two. (laughs) Um, But in my opinion, it doesn't make much sense. 
the retirement idea. Um, I don't I don't think it makes much sense either. Similar to I mean, obviously Tom Brady's 40, 43 years old, he'll be forty three this year. Yeah. Um it's a bit different with him with age. Uh mm-hmm. but he's he was still on top at the time where he announced retirement. Yeah. I think Donald's still at the peak of his game. It wouldn't make sense for him to go out, especially if they're planning on retaining a lot of these starters, a lot of these players, if they have the chance to run it back, as Donald says, I think that he's going to want to take that and add more to his already amazing resume that he has. He already is quite possibly the greatest defensive player since Lawrence yes, Taylor. Yes, he, yes. He has been insane since he entered the league. Um, I also read a report that he could have possibly been doing the retirement, as uh, saying he's going to retire as leverage for the Rams to get a new contract to get some more money. But I believe he already is one of the highest paid defenders he, ever. The, the thing is, I, I also read that he wants to be the high the highest paid defensive player in the league, and that's why he was also uh, attempting with a, re- with a retirement statement Yeah. Um, because he wants that. Because, I mean, obviously he's deserving of it, but he, he just he wants that much more more money added on i mean we've seen contracts in the nfl evolve an insane amount over the years i remember when russell wilson signed his contract with seattle was that two years ago maybe even even patrick mahomes as well i'm not i'm not even saying numbers but the way that these contracts are designed russell wilson his contract is based of like a percentage of the seattle salary cap and how the salary cap across the nfl goes up every season or goes down it fluctuates Wilson's salary is a percentage of all of that money. So it's possible Donald, I don't know if he wants to do the same thing with the Rams, or as you said, he just wants to be the highest paid defender at all times. That That's definitely possible. 100% could be possible. I mean, Donald, very deserving of it. Um, we'll, see where, we'll, see, we'll see where he goes. I think he's returning regardless. I do as well. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's talk about the MVP Cooper Cup. I will go out on – it's not even a limb at this point. That was the greatest season ever by a wide receiver. Yes. Um, 178 catches, 2,425 yards, and 22 touchdowns, including the postseason, so in 22 games. The 178 catches were the most in NFL history, and the 2,425 yards were the most in NFL history by nearly 500 yards. That's insane. Larry Fitzgerald in 2008 was the next closest – and he was nearly 500 yards behind Cooper Cup. Um, the only receiver with more was Randy Moss uh, on New England. Um, he was the second player to ever win the receiving triple crown, offensive player of the year, and Super Bowl MVP in a career, period. That being Jerry Rice. And Cooper Cup did that all in the in same one season. season. One season. The man had an insane year, super deserving of he could have even won the MVP of the league totally. if it wasn't and, considered yeah. a quarterback's award yeah. at this point. I mean, even even Cup's story too. Yeah, I'm, he no was, offers. I would no say offers no offers coming anywhere coming out of high school. Actually, Eastern Washington. After the NFC Championship game, he completely collapsed on the field and thanked his wife, mm-hmm. who helped pay for his college yeah. as he was there, so he can get through and live That's his insane. dream of going to the NFL. And that's that, insane. I mean. Just a guy that you got it. You can't help but root for him. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, and even him 
taking up the the number one receiver spot this year. Mm-hmm. It was between him and Woods before before the season started. Yep. But he takes it up. Woods goes down. They add they add Odell and Odell goes out goes down the Super Bowl. Yep. Cup, Cup did not. Did not disappoint. The entire yeah, season. did not the disappoint. Entire season never slowed was, down. And you could tell after that game, even just being named the MVP on that podium. Yeah, he was starstruck. He couldn't even believe. He, it. Had, he had no words. He had, he had no, no words. words. He was sitting there just in awe of everything. The championship, the MVP honor, it was insane. It was totally. great to see. Yes, love, love, love the guy. Amazing story. Um, next up, also to do with the Super Bowl and the Rams. Uh, Richard Sherman made some comments about Matthew Stafford on Twitter, more or less saying he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is becoming too easy to get into. Now, we talked about Stafford's MVP, uh, or not MVP, I'm sorry, uh, Hall of Fame uh, candidacy. candidacy last episode. Yep. And we both said if Stafford got the ring, he deserves to be in. Mm-hmm. Now, do I dispute that the the hall is very easy to get into now? Not at all. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a That's lot fair. of people getting inducted in that should not be getting inducted in. Um, I think they are particularly hard on QBs, though, when it comes to entering a QB into the Hall of Fame. Um, but even regardless of that, I think Matthew Stafford just as a player in general, deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and my main issue with Richard Sherman taking issue with the possibility of Stafford getting into the Hall of Fame is Matthew Stafford is 34 years old. He has not discussed retirement. It's not like his career is over. Not at all. There is a very strong chance that he wins at least another Super Bowl while he's in L.A. Finally, he's not in Detroit. When he was in Detroit, he went to the playoffs three well, times. Let's not let's not forget to mention this is his first year out of Detroit. Yeah. He already has been in the playoffs. He already took a team to the Super Bowl, yeah. let alone won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Can you imagine what he would have done if he left the Lions Detroit five when, years yeah, ago whenever, after his rookie Whenever contract? he wanted to. I mean, mm-hmm. Stafford is, a gr- is an amazing talent. And he has hypotheticals. Like, he can go anywhere and there'd still be a challenge. But at the same time... He left, and he immediately made it. And that shows a lot of a lot of depth to a person. Uh, even his loyalty to a team. Yeah, because he's hanging around in he Detroit He stayed in long. Detroit simply because of his loyalty and the person that he is. Yeah. And it shows a lot more character in, in him than anything, I think. Especially how much Detroit struggled throughout all of those years. And he still hung and around. And he still hung around. Injury after injury, played through it all. Was insane. Mm-hmm. And say what you want about him having Megatron all the time. For, not well, even not, all not, the time. not all the time. Not all the time. But yeah. for, for those, A large those, chunk. Yeah, those years there. I mean, the man is still insane. Totally. And leaving one year, winning a ring regardless of his Pro Bowls, regardless of his stats right now. He's not done. Yeah. He's not finished not at, at all. all. Not nearly finished. Yeah. Especially how long we've seen quarterbacks play. We've seen quarter- their 40s. In, in the Tom Brady era. Yeah. I mean, Rodgers is pushing 40. Yep. Drew Brees it's, played till Drew he was Brees almost 40. was almost 40. I think he was thir- 39 yeah. when he retired. So, I mean, this, this era, we've seen quarterbacks play for longer than any other time before. Mm-hmm. And... Matthew Stafford is nowhere near done. 
and I think his Hall of Fame campaign, as as you can call it, is adding on. It's it's really just beginning now. Yeah. Well, he if, if he plays on the Rams for another five years, with this current roster, which again will be hard to maintain due to salary cap stuff, but with this current roster, they could win two, if not three, more Super Bowls in the next five years. Stafford will be in the MVP conversation each of those seasons. And he arguably should have been in it this year. He was for the first half for the, of the season. For the first half. Yeah, he, he had a little bit of a but fall tor- tor- off. But towards the end of the year, he wasn't he wasn't held to that high of a standard, and it just totally. didn't make sense to me. The team was still looking great, and they were still fighting for the number one seed in their division, let alone yep. the number one seed in the co- in the conference. Mm-hmm. So Stafford is will continue to be an MVP caliber player. He'll continue to create his resume for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I concur. Now, con- continuing with even more Super Bowl, it's a little bit of a future thing. Yes. We're looking into next Super Bowl already. We're already super excited to get past the regular season of next year, past the draft, past free agency, regardless of any of that. We just want to see what the next matchup will be. Way too <laughs> early predictions here from Jake and Wally. Wally, who are your picks? For Super Bowl 57, which will be in Glendale, Arizona, yes. if I'm correct. Yes, it will um, be. My prediction is the Buffalo Bills, which probably isn't that surprising to most, versus the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Rams will get back there to defend their title. However, I think they'll have the same fate as a number of teams and fail to repeat. And I think Buffalo will finally win a Super Bowl next season. You see... That's funny because I also have Buffalo mm-hmm. making it to the Super Bowl. Finally, Josh Allen makes it. Finally, this is the year Breaks through. that he goes through. They go out, get a couple signings, get a run game going. Definitely. And they're able to put something together and finally make it to Super Bowl 57. Now in the NFC, that's where I, I'm a little, little different than you. All right. I think right now where it stands... Rodgers is going to Green Bay, sticking with I them. I think he'll stay there, yeah. I think the Packers finally make it back, mm. and it's mm. the Pack versus Buffalo mm. in Glendale, Arizona. Now, say what you want about Rodgers choking in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If he faces the 49ers, he may as well just already leave. <laughs> but I think Rodgers is... On his last, I mean, yes, he's on his last year of his contract. Yeah, he's got to leave everything out on the field at this point. And the way that Green Bay has backed him, there's no way he's leaving. Through everything with COVID and stuff like that, that's very true. I think that Rodgers will stay loyal. I I use that lightly because he was a little shaky last off season, yeah. but I think he'll he'll go back to Wisconsin. They'll get everything together. And I think they're going to put together a Super Bowl team. Now, winner, it's a little toss-up for me. Um, but I think Buffalo is actually going to end up beating them. And Rodgers gives his blessing to Josh Allen <laughs> after the game to to become one of the top. I mean, not become one of the top. He already is one of the top. But, you know, take give, give, his, give his endorsement to take over the league. Yeah. All right. Well... I'm not I'm not very on the Green Bay train just because of Aaron Rodgers choking the last couple of years. Uh, a lot of but, a lot of a lot of people are, are not on the train, but I'm I'm still a big Green Bay believer. So 
I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut feeling and stick with it. We'll see. We'll see. Next up in the NFL, uh, we went over this a little bit last week. The Kyler Murray situation out in Arizona. Some social media feuding between l- Kyler and the Cardinals as an organization. A little bit of an update this week too. The Cardinals have come out. The car. The organization itself have co- has come out and basically said that. Kyler feels as if he's being scapegoated, but they believe that he, at the same time, isn't putting in much of the work, isn't much of a leader in the locker room, is not a first guy in, last guy out type of guy, Mm -hmm. and has just acted selfish through everything and is very frustrated with the playoff loss and embarrassed. I mean, I'd be embarrassed too if I was Kyler, but whatever. And on Kyler's side... Again, like we said, he feels as he's being scapegoated, says that the organization completely was against him and made a fool of him through the playoffs. I mean, the playoff loss especially, but mm-hmm. I mean, the, the end of the year too, losing, losing that, one, that one seed yep. was big for them. Um, so what do you think? Is Kyler being scapegoated by the Cardinals? I, I think Arizona as a franchise is more problematic than Kyler Murray is. And I will admit, I do not like Kyler's antics with deleting everything on social media. It makes it seem like this narrative that's being painted of him as being a me first player selfish. Him doing that pretty much proves that. However, there have been only a handful of quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to have the tools that Kyler Murray has. Arm strength, mobility, throwing on the run. Everything about him on paper is unhuman. Um, Meaning, I think Arizona is partially to blame. I mean, they've built around him. They've given him offensive weapons, I will say as well. But again, we've seen time and time again in the NFL, you can have all of the talent you want, but if you are not able to coach them and build around them, it's not going to work. So I will bring up the concept, is Cliff Kingsbury the person to blame, not Kyler Murray, with these issues in Arizona? Now, I'm going to sort of echo what I said last week about Kyler. Um, the man has no room to be demanding much from the Cardinals. That is true. They've built around him. They've... I mean, I can't say they've done fully what they could because, again, Kingsbury was a not-really-seasoned coach at the time that he came in. No. Nope. Um, which we'll get into Kingsbury after in my statement, but I just feel that Kyler has done remotely nothing for the organization as a whole. He's won one Rookie of the Year, and this was the first time they've made the playoffs since he's been on the team, and an embarrassing route to the playoffs let's just say that and leave it at that um from like you said kyler's social media antics i i have nothing else but that to prove that what's being said about him is true he's he's acting like a me first guy Mm -hmm. he's portraying it as a me first guy and i want this i want that with nothing in return to prove that he deserves it. Yes, he's got the skill set. Yes, he's got 
a lot of what you want in a QB, a, a good young quarterback at that. But for him to be demanding the world and giving back nothing just seems like a lot to me. Now, with Cliff Kingsbury, yes, you could put all the talent you want on the field, but you need a coach at the end of the day, yep. especially in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Kingsbury has not utilized all his pieces to the full extent that he could. No. And I feel like he's wasting a lot of talent on the field. Um, he did actually I, I liked his I liked his play calling with the implementation of Edmonds and mm-hmm. James, um, Connor. James Connor both this year. They were, they were both they were both great. Yep. But I felt that the passing game was lacking a lot for the amount of good or great receivers, especially with Hopkins that they had. Uh, yeah, Hopkins rec- uh, acquired him uh, two seasons ago. They drafted Christian Kirk a couple of years ago in the second round. Yep. Rondale Moore in the second round. They are they're drafting all of these people. They're putting all these players on the field together, and yet there's still plenty to be desired, season after season. Um, and for me, personally at least, that comes down to coaching. Others can say it comes down to Kyler. Kyler can play better. Kyler can be a better leader, sure. But for me personally, that comes down to coaching. At, at the end of the day, you cannot fully put it on one player. No, definitely not. And It's a team game, team sport. L- like I said before, I, I think Kyler is being selfish, but at the same time, coaching and obviously the other 10 guys that are on the field yeah. impact the game a lot. They do. So, let's move over to Beijing. The The Olympics are ending this weekend. Yes. Where are we standing right now, Wally? Heading into the final weekend, we have Norway leading every country uh, with 29 total medals. Um, Russia, or better known as the ROC, is sitting tight at 26. Germany, 22. And the United States, 21. Snuck up there uh, to the fourth most medals. Uh, surprisingly, we are, we are back... Back up there. Yes. We, well, we have, I wouldn't we say surprisingly. Just well, needed, just I mean, time. I mean, I was gonna say it's it's been a little while, so yeah, since we talk about it, but just needed the time. Last night, uh, U.S. women's took home a silver for for their hockey hockey route against Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but last this past week, Sean White final final route on on the half pipe. Yeah. Um, obviously the final run was a little bit, uh, not, not what, not what Sean White wanted. Not, not, not typical of Sean White. Yeah. Um, but let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about this Olympics. We don't want to talk about. It's not even about Sean White at this Olympics, but Sean White's impact on the sport of snowboarding, not even just in the United States, but worldwide. He well, has his, revolutionized the game going back to 2006, his at, first Olympics. Even after that, that tumble that he took on, on his final, on his final halfpipe, he went up to absolutely everyone mm-hmm. competing in, in that same event. Everyone went over and wanted to embrace him and mm-hmm. just feel the emotions. That was the last time we were going to see him out there. Yeah, and... Uh, as I was saying, with revolutionizing the sport being influential, I don't know if there's been an Olympian that 
is as a household name, and at least in the winter, besides Sean White, dating back pre two thousand, I I have no idea. Um, he he is the face of the United States Winter Olympic team yeah. every year for the last yes. five Olympics. Yeah, I could. I mean, I could even echo that. Even like when I was younger, I was more into the uh, the Summer Olympics a lot yeah. more. I knew Michael Phelps, obviously. Yeah. He was he was always a household name. But when it came to the Winter Olympics, there was one name you knew, and that Sean was Sean White. White. And yeah. just his talent for how long he's been doing it and the amount of snowboarders everywhere that are as good as they are just from watching him and mm-hmm. watching everything he's done yep. is just amazing and... I mean, we wish him we wish him the best here because that man truly has such an impact everywhere. And Wally, you yourself are a snowboarder. Yeah, and uh, I I watched Sean White the 2010 Winter Olympic Games in Vancouver, and uh, after watching him, I think he was wearing a flannel and jeans in the halfpipe competition. And I ran upstairs and I put on my blue jeans and my red flannel, went outside on my plastic snowboard. And I was like, I'm Sean White. And I'm going down the hill in my backyard, not knowing anything, but being a kid into snowboarding, watching Sean White compete at the highest level, he has left an impact on my life and millions of others worldwide. Um, Congratulations to him on a fantastic career. We truly wish him the best here. Yes. Now, to some controversial news, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh... ROC skater Camilla Valieva, um, I think that's how you pr- pronunciate it. Might be a little off. That's okay. Um, Fifteen-year-old, supposedly yeah. the skating prod uh, prodigy, supposed to be the greatest skater for the next for the next twenty plus yeah. years, however long, um, tested positive for a drug called uh, temestadine. However you pronunciate it, very fancy medical term. Um, which is used to prevent angina and attacks. And uh, the drug increases blood flow efficiency and improves your endurance. Yes. Two things that are huge. That are very big. In figure skating. And yet, this skater was still cleared to participate in the Olympics. And yes. this is where the controversy comes up and where I myself am also unhappy with this um, because... This past year, we had the Summer Olympics, the postponed Summer Olympics. In Tokyo, yeah. In Tokyo, and Shikari Richardson, an African-American woman sprinter, Mm -hmm. was denied ability to go and compete in the Olympics because she had tested for marijuana use. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, in, in the same sense, there are rules and regulations, and you're not able to be using whatever, doing whatever. Any kind of drugs. Any kind of drugs, drugs. yes. But when it comes to this and it comes to the comparison between the two, Richardson was using it, and it's a recreational drug. I mean, at times it could also be used medically. Yeah. But it doesn't enhance your performance. No, not at all. There's absolutely no reason that it should be that she should have been denied access to compete. Yep. And I, I don't want to mispronounce the name. Uh, Valieva. Valieva 
should have been able to compete and mm-hmm. continues to compete. Yeah. It's just at that point, like what what's what's going on there? Like why is Richardson denied access to run and Valieva is able to skate and compete when she's using performance enhancers? Yeah. There's zero consistency it, with the Olympic committee there it, it, it makes make it sense. makes zero sense and i'm just disgusted by it to be honest um i mean i just I, I just have no no other words it's just it's it's very very disgraceful to me and uh well not that it's like you don't you don't want to see any athlete fail but it's no. a little comforting when yeah when she doesn't reach the podium yeah she she, she finished she finished fourth so she did not medal yeah which was i mean shocking on its sh- own yeah sh- she was the favorite to win gold favorite to win gold using performance enhancers and finishes fourth well uh-huh. they could in be one, they could be they could events. be they could be claimed as performance enhancers yeah but it's just very upsetting to me yeah that. It's, it's it's upsetting to us as fans. Yeah. Imagine how the other athletes feel. Someone from uh, Russia trying out for the Olympics, losing their spot to this 15-year-old kid, and it turns out that they're doping. I don't want to that, – that's the term that many use. Yeah. And they're doping to gain this unfair advantage. It burns you. Um, uh, the ROC as a – like. Uh, team itself well, an, it's a terrible look for them another another thing to look at is the roc russia is considered the roc because this has happened before yeah yeah this isn't this is not this is not as it's not a new thing and yeah new trend it's just them. it's very it's very terrible to see mm-hmm. um don't want to don't want to say i'm i'm glad she didn't podium but at the same time yeah, we're, a little, we're a little we're a little comforted and yeah. relieved that that uh, we did not see her podium and get that medal for the ROC. Yes. So keep an eye out this weekend. The Olympics will be finishing. Mm-hmm. We'll be wrapping up, talking about it next week. Yep. Now on to some better news. Yeah. Best segment on this show. We've got Drip of the Week. Drip of the Week. I started um, like last week. My drip of the week winners, two specific Ooh, people, okay. are Piper Gillis and Paul Poirier, who are two Canadian ice dancing partners. And for their competition, they wore some orange spandex suits Ooh. with colored feathers on their shoulders. And I'll show Jake the outfit here. Ooh. A picture of it. Well, you know, you know us here. We love orange. Orange, we yes. Love orange. As, as Syracuse students, yeah, there's a little bit orange. of bias with the orange. But the, the feathers? The Woo! feathers with the colors, the contrast of the two of them. Um, it's different for ice dancing as well. Norm- obviously, they dress fancy. They dress a little flashy. But normally, they're calmer, uh, darker colors. Um, they're a little bit more relaxed. And to see this retro, almost like 70s-type vibe on these dancers... I loved it. Loved watching them perform, and so did the general public. They are my drip of the week winners. Amazing, amazing drip. Gotta love it. <laughs> and now, mine is the guy from Fortnite introducing <laughs> the Super Bowl. We've got Dwayne the Rock Johnson in his all burgundy outfit from Super Bowl Fifty Six. Look at this, Wally. <laughs> amazing. He's got the gold chain on. He's got the white sneaks. 
I think an underrated aspect of the raw net fit is how well the shirt fits him. So, so, like, watching, so defined. Watching him introduce the game and it would show at, his biceps. Look at, look at the sleeves. His, his arms are tree trunks on his arm. Not to mention he did the face before the intro too. He did the rock face. That the rock the best face. Part. Amazing. And shout Amazing. out, as, as Jake called him, the guy from Fortnite. Shout out to the NFL who posted the video on their YouTube channel referring to him as the guy from Fortnite. That was since the Super Bowl. Whoever whoever that that media director is that put in the guy from they Fortnite. They need a raise. They totally you need, need a raise. You, yeah, you deserve <laughs> all the revenue that 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 video brings in. Oh my God. Amazing. And now that was drip of the week. That was it. <laughs> that, that, all right. So now we're going to move on to actually, I can't lie. This is, this is the time of the year where like this gets to be like one of my favorite things to talk about. Men's basketball, NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're in crunch time right now. We're about to hit the conference tournaments. We're, I cannot wait. We're coming down the pipe. Oh There's only God. a couple weeks left in the regular season across the college landscape. And I think this year more than ever, more than ever, there is no clear-cut number one. No, um, no there we, is not. We, we talked about Auburn last week, who was the number one team. A- actually, the, the second we talked about them, the second you said you didn't have faith, they uh-huh. fell that night that Just we saying, talked about them. Just pointing out. And they fell. So now Gonzaga is number one. Auburn fell to number two. Gonzaga has hung around uh, at one, two. They've been in that zone for pretty much the We've entire season. Drew, Drew Timmy and Chet, Chet Holgram. Chet Holgram, yep. Um so, well, I just—I mean, I—I I just want to say that the the teams in general, like within the top twenty-five, just keep fluctuating. It keeps coming in, and like the the top ten, it's top twelve, I should say, have have remained relatively consistent, just swapping places. But um, they, from but time they flow to time. around. They but flow they flow. Around that top yeah, 12. it's been it's been um very odd, very up and down. Yeah, but. From 13 to 25, I think we've had a back, at least a back, like, different five teams for the past at least two or three weeks. Yeah, every, it's been, every week it's changing. Every week, every week, 20 to 25 is different. There's tons of teams getting votes in right now to be on, mm-hmm. on that ranking. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of great teams out there this year. But there's a lot of just weird teams as well because you don't know if you could really rely on the, those top 12 teams because of how how vulnerable they are for losses. Like, let's take Duke as exa- as an example. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we talked about a lot about the ACC last week. Duke, as an example, faced both, both Boston College and Wake Forest this week. Yep. And I think their margin of victory in both of those games might have been five points or less mm-hmm. combined combined margin of victory between both of the games yeah they beat wake forest by i think it was two or three mm-hmm. at right at the end of the game that was a heartbreaker for wake forest again going into duke as virginia did last week we talked about this and upset them i mean that that home that home environment at duke is rough to play in and that's just it's crazy that this team is falling it, it seemed like they're they're very vulnerable at their home court. Yeah, the the Cameron Crazies as they call it at Cameron Indoor Stadium. That is I don't I don't want to say every student section will come after me for who has the strongest student section, but the Cameron Crazies that that arena is not large. 
Well, it's, of... it's it's built specifically for the student section. They all yeah. they're all on that back that back section of the court. If you're, if you're watching on TV, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're all right there screaming at the players. They're basically courtside at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. It's 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 wild. It's an insane environment to play in. Um, so now I'd like to provide a couple of facts, and this involves Gonzaga being the number of one course. team in the country right now. Of course, we, we live for this. We live for Wally's perfect <laughs> bracket breakdown. Um, so, dating back to 2000 of the national championship teams, the only conferences that have won a national championship are the SEC, ACC, AAC, Big Ten, Big 12, and the Big East. Uh, most notably, no Pac-12 among the Power 5 conferences. But along with that, Gonzaga is not in one of those conferences. No, they're not. And in theory, you have to think Gonzaga will eventually break through and win a national championship with all of the talent they repeatedly bring in, bringing in five-star recruit after five-star recruit. Um, is this the year? I don't know. I'm not sure your, yet. Your stats last week are providing no. Because yeah. Because your stats last week are saying ACC. Yeah. Which is in, in theory. In theory. In theory, we're talking we're talking statistics. Statistics yes. aren't always one hundred percent. But from what I from what I found on paper, I I, I'm, I I can't be confident in Gonzaga. I'm not gonna say they're not going to win, but I am not confident in them. I think there's I I think they've solidified themselves as a final four team. Will I go as far as to say they'll win? No, not yet, because yeah. I haven't seen conference championship yeah, still or a conference month tournament. There's still a month to go before the, the tournament. The biggest thing about the tournament for me is the momentum that teams bring into it. Yes, whether it's a fr- Whether it's part. from the conference tournament or whether it's just regular straight season, up regular anything. season. So off that point, regardless of that momentum, though, who are the teams that you, you don't think you could trust going into this tournament to, to win it all? So I have another fact, obviously, because that's what I do. Uh from research that will intrigue people. Um, as the last few weeks of the season approach, as we come into crunch time with all of this regular season conference tournaments, that we, as we have mentioned, um, 15 out of 20, the last 21 national champions, dating back to 2000, finished with a higher ranking at the end of the regular season than they started at in preseason polls for AP. Um, 2014, UConn was never ranked the entire season. They're an anomaly. They're a great example of who knows what's going to happen in March. Seven seed marching their way through the tournament. Um, however, for those five teams out of those 20 that did not finish higher, they all started at number one or number two, every single one of them. And all five of them stayed within the top 10. So if they dropped from one, they never went lower than 10. If they dropped from two, never went lower to 10. And at the start of the – in the preseason poll – Gonzaga and UCLA were one and two. UCLA, UCLA right now is number 13. So everyone has hyped up UCLA from the beginning of the season, and they've slid down to number 13 right now, meaning if UCLA gets in there and they finish as number 11, number 12, and they're a three seed, that may be on paper appealing to them, to you, to whoever, but as I've said um, number ones and number two sliding out of the top ten never works out. Not to mention the Pac-12 has not won a national championship long, even going back before 2000. Wow. Um, so UCLA, be wary of Stay that. away. Stay yes. away. Well, I want to talk about a team 
sleeper that could maybe knock off UCLA if they're the 13. Mm-hmm. I wore my sweatshirt today. I'm going with I'm going with the Irish. Notre I'm Dame. telling you. Okay. Ever since we talked about them last week losing to Duke, mm-hmm. they've been on a five game win streak. Yep. Their game last night, dog fight against Boston College. It's not a good team in the ACC though. Just, it does, just it, be warned. They, they went they went to the wire with Duke. They yeah. went to the wire with Duke. It's I'm the telling ACC you, representing it's, themselves it's all, poorly. It's, in it's all about momentum. It's all about momentum. Very Notre true. Dame's on a run. Very I think true. I'm calling it. They're going to the ACC final, and they will go on an Elite Eight run in the tournament. Call them that now. Call it on now. Call February it now. 17. Call it now. Notre February seventeenth. Notre, Notre Dame Elite Eight this year. I'm all telling right. you, 100 percent, at least the Elite Eight. All right. Uh, Preton's hub, their point guard, one of the most clutch players I watched in NCAA this year. Amazing, amazing. The, I mean, they've had some, they've had some great games as of, as of late. I'm telling you, watch this team. They're entertaining. All right. Their run is not going to stop anytime soon. Looking forward to it. See if it's true. Now to the big segment of the episode. Let's head over to the NBA. We had. A huge, huge drop immediately after our episode, yeah. which is really the reason that we had to rework this whole thing because mm-hmm. James Harden was traded for Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. After days of talking or months of Simmons trade talks, Harden trade talks. And after two days before this happened, I said the Simmons saga will carry into the summer. Mm-hmm. And nope. as, as a Sixers fan, I'm happy it didn't. 48 hours later, yeah. James Harden was a 76 Yeah. My God. Oh, my God. So, as someone who's unbiased like yourself, mm-hmm. what do you think of this trade? Who who won? Who lost? What's the biggest upside going forward? I think Philadelphia's push to win a national, not a national championship, an NBA championship this year. Um, Joel Embiid has been playing quite possibly as the MVP, best player in basketball this season. But... As we've seen a lot, one player normally isn't enough to get it done, and adding in a former MVP winner, consistent all-star in James Harden, a strict scorer, that is going to work perfectly for Philadelphia. Well, I think the thing that helps them the most as well, I mean, James Harden's scoring ability is amazing, but also his ability to pass the ball and play make mm-hmm. is great, especially when he's the primary ball handler. It's an underrated I love, aspect. Of I him. love Tyrese Maxey's role right now as, yeah. as the point guard. However, I think James Harden is obviously going to take over uh, the the primary ball handling duties. Yep. And, I mean, that team is just going to look so great. That ball movement, everything. That starting five, wow. And Daryl Morey has already hinted that the team – is already looking at the buyout market for a backup center for Embiid because they lost Drummond in the trade. Yeah. Uh, which that'll help them huge like th- that's the biggest thing they need right now. If they get that, they could potentially push for that top seed in the East at, at in the second half of the season right after this All-Star break and yep. they're in a great spot going forward, especially not even just this year, the following year cuz Harden had already said he's going to opt in. For, for the next season. Mm-hmm. So they're not only getting half a hasn't season even, out of him. Hasn't even played a they're game getting, yet. They're getting at least a full a full season out of him, plus half this season, mm-hmm. and maybe a contract after that. Yeah. 
So we'll see where this goes. I'm loving Harden and Philly right now. I'm not. I'm not loving their game against the Celtics two days ago, but <laughs> I'm loving. I'm loving Harden and Philly. Sad that we had to say goodbye to Andre Drummond and Seth Curry, two great role players. But moving forward, I think Philly's in a perfect spot. And something I, I want to add, small too, is the amount of slander that Philly got for giving up Simmons. Curry, Drummond, and two draft picks for yep. Harden, Millsap, and a draft pick in return mm-hmm. is in outrageous to me because the fact that two days before the trade deadline was even or before the trade even happened, everyone was saying, "Oh, if Philly doesn't get rid of Ben Simmons, they're in big trouble because yeah. nobody wants him." Yeah, and the second that they trade for Ben, they trade Ben Simmons for a former MVP yeah. in James Harden, everyone's like. Oh, Philly's done now. They just gave the Nets exactly what they wanted, and the uh-huh. Nets are going to win a championship. Yeah. Well, when a player like Kyrie can't even play in his own home games, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I Ben am... Simmons still has no offensive prowess at all, the only thing he has on the offensive end really is playmaking and passing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge problem for the Nets still, and they. I think a lot of people are overlooking that when it comes to Ben Simmons. I'm not saying he's not a top defender in the league but the man still has done nothing to prove that he wants to put in the work anywhere else at all he hasn't even hit the floor yet i am not on the uh brooklyn nets train i'm i'm a knicks fan so i was never on the brooklyn nets train but they're gonna they're gonna try and make it seem like simmons for Harden, plus all of drummond and curry and everything no just no. Philadelphia is the clear winner of that trade, and that that'll come to fruition April, May, June. Um, it's it's when, it's when all Philadelphia about, is still playing in the playoffs. It's all about late season, and right now the Nets aren't even sniffing the sixth seed. They're in the play-in. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I, call me a biased Philly fan. I mean, you're not biased, but call me a biased Philly fan. Philly won that trade hands down. Yep, they did. Now. Let's move into teams that are actually on a roll mm-hmm. right now, moving into this all-star break. Who what are what are some teams that you like and what you see out of them? I am a huge fan of the Phoenix Suns. At their I'm number one huge, seed. Huge Devin Booker fan. Let me just let me just put that out there. Devin Booker, one of my one of my favorite players to watch in the league. He has been for a couple of years now. Bought myself a Devin Booker jersey. <laughs> I I love the man. Love him. They're forty-eight and ten with the number one seed in the West, and the Western Conference is obviously a loaded conference year after year. Um, they went to the NBA Finals last year and lost to Milwaukee. I'd say the Suns team is better than that one, um, having this extra year to play together and keep gelling. Everything with the Suns that people were disputing last year—the fact that they made it to the finals when apparently the West was hurt. Mm-hmm. I use that. I use that in quotes. Quotations Obviously, you hurt. can't you can't see that. Yeah. But this Suns team going to the finals, that's not a that's not a tough task in the no. NBA. You have to no. win seven game series. You have to play until the end, and they they played until the end. They mm-hmm. they almost took Milwaukee to another game in that series. It yep. was, I mean, they they're a special team. Chris Paul is just a special player by himself, a great leader for any team that he's on ever. Yep. Um, I think that 
the, the, they're one of the best teams in the NBA, one of the most entertaining teams to watch. They mesh so well together. Aiton mm-hmm. has come so far mm-hmm. from where he started Very when he true. was drafted. Yep. And he's finally showing his his true what he's his true talent. Of. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. and that that team itself, I love Jay Crowder on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bridges, oh my god, like they're great. They're yeah. great. There's nothing more you could say about them except for the fact that they are great. They've been great all season, or ha- uh, more than halfway now at the All Star yeah. break, and there's no reason for them to slow down in the second half of the season and then into no. the playoffs. And as they well. should they should have never been overlooked last year. Besides anything, yeah. Another team that I want to talk about are the Celtics, winning nine out of their last ten after starting off extremely disappointing. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Pistons last night, a fluke or whatever you want to call it. We don't need to talk about that one. Yeah, but (laughs) the game before that, they absolutely trampled the Sixers. 135-87. to Yeah. At at the Wells Fargo Center as well. It seemed like it was the All-Star game already, scoring (laughs) 135 points. I didn't know what I was watching. I turned it off in the second quarter. Um, But they're just a team that, Started off the year so disappointing. Ime Doka, first year coach, first year coach with the Celtics, uh, just looked a little shaky. Didn't really know what would, what he was doing. He just had to get his footing. With the he team. had it's very clear. He had to he had to get his foot in with the team as yeah. well and get yeah. that chemistry with them. Yep. I think it's finally it's finally showing and they're finally showing their talent. Um, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have all been. Picking it up as of late, Jason Tatum started off with a lot of shooting woes and recently been very well, very very good uh, in that aspect. Uh, he's picked he's picked up his shooting a lot, and I think that another valuable part of that team that's always he's always a pest against Philadelphia as well <laughs> is Al Horford, mm-hmm. and he's just. I don't know what it is, but when you have Al Horford in in Boston, yeah, it's a guy you don't want to face because yeah. he just it's either just he loves being there. TD Garden gives him some special abilities or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but this man plays like a completely different animal when he's on when he's on the Celtics, and yeah, it's just it he's he's one of our underrated performers. I think. I think Boston um, on the topic of looking towards the second half of the season coming out of the all-star break boston may they might not finish as the number one number two seed but i'd say they might have the highest ceiling over and we haven't we haven't seen philadelphia play with harden and everything but the way that they're playing right now and the upward trajectory of where they started at the beginning of the season I think Boston definitely could finish as one of the top teams in the East. Well, Boston, a, Boston a week ago was the six, or not the six seed, the, the eight seed, mm-hmm. and now they're sitting at the six seed. Yeah, out only of the only two and a half games back from first place. Mm-hmm. And the thing where Boston is going to strive is that they're behind teams. Well, they're behind Philadelphia. Let's take them as an example. And yeah. Philadelphia making that huge trade for Harden. Yes, eventually I think the, the offense is going to mesh, but at the time where Philadelphia is still trying to figure it out, still trying to get that chemistry up, they could take advantage of that already, already having that chemistry and already coming off this hot streak, Yeah, going out, coming out of the All-Star break. 
uh, I think that's going to be huge for them. And if they if they take advantage of that, I see them finishing no lower than four. Yeah, it's I going agree. to be it's going to be great. Now, All Star Weekend. Here we are. Here we, we are. Yeah. We're talking about talking about how sad it was last week. Um, let's just skip over the skills competition because yeah. I I don't even know what that's going to operate team like. Skill team competition. Yeah, team rookies against Antetokounmpo's yeah. against <laughs> I don't know what is it the Cavs or yeah. the other team. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know what the heck this is. So I'm just not even going to touch that <laughs> until we actually see what happens. So let's just go straight into the three point contest. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the winner? In the three-point contest. My pick is Fred Van Vliet, and I know that might come as a surprise to some. That is a surprise to me. Um, you know, the three-point contest, it's so hard to predict. Surprisingly, you'd think that, obviously, if you have the high three-point percentage during a regular season, you're going to win the event. But something about the way Fred, Vliet has come on, uh, Fred Van Vliet has come on this year um, – I think he's been an underrated star. He hasn't been getting the love that he deserves. I think he will win the three-point contest, and he'll get that necessary attention that he has been deserving of for the entire season. I like that pick. However, I think I'm going to take an even more bold pick because I'm going with Patty Mills from mm. the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Patty Mills has been a great three-point shooter his entire career. Yeah. I think he's been an underrated player overall his entire career. I mean, Olympics Patty Mills. We've been we're talking about the Olympics. Let's talk about Australian, a Team Australia Patty Mills. Yeah. He turns into a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to bring out his shooting from Team Australia, and he's going to capitalize. No Curry no curry this year. Yep. So I'm going it's Patty open. Mills. I'm it's going Patty open. Mills wide open. Yep. Let's talk, Also, a slight, a slight thing. Why is Carl Anthony Towns in the three-point contest? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. It's a very odd ball when that's, I when I was reading over the participants. I, I mean, didn't know if it was a typo. No, that's that was, that a, was real. I saw it get announced, but it, I mean, we weren't f- we weren't on when it got announced. If but. it was a fun like feel-good story for Cat, just to let him have a smile and huck up some threes, but who knows? Maybe he'll win. Maybe he'll shock the I, world. I don't I don't think so, but we'll see. I mean, <laughs> at this point. If you have Cat in there, you could literally you could put in Joel Embiid. Joel yeah. Embiid <laughs> is one of the top three point shooting centers of all time, actually. So I, I'm not even gonna go there because I don't want to <laughs> see a center in we the three point contest. Let's not that. let's not touch that. Yeah. Um, moving on, let's go to the dunk contest. Yeah. We who we, do you have winning? We we I, both, well we we both agreed. We, we both agree on this. this. Jalen Green. Jalen Green. I think e- everyone easy favorite. That's the consensus pick. We saw we saw Obi Toppin last year, pretty disappointing. Yeah. Same. I mean, Juan Toscano Anderson, Cole Anthony, just a bit iffy on. Uh, again, we we talked about this last week. Just very thin on the participants. Like Jalen yeah. Green, he's a rookie. He. I mean, for all we know, he he's gonna be great. He's easily gonna be the best out of out of the what is it four out of the yeah. four participants. Yeah. Um, but just very underwhelming, very underwhelming start to All Star Weekend with with all these participants. Just no one, no big names anywhere. I, I will personally say for Jalen Green, I was in Washington last month in January, and I went to a Wizards Rockets game, and I witnessed Jalen Green in person. 
and that guy can dunk. You know, oh, yeah. For well, all there's a lot of talk. Houston, I don't know if they are uh, standing wise the worst team in the NBA, but they're terrible. But Jalen Green makes one or two plays every game where you are impressed, and he alone makes the Rockets watchable well, just he, because he, of his. He's dunks. gonna be the guy to build around. Yeah, he's gonna be great in but, their I rebuild. Mean, he's the guy. But I mean, you look at you look at this lineup. Like, why I, we talked about it last week? I, I want a John Morant in there. Yeah, I want a nice, nice John Morant Donovan Mitchell dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I'll watch that over and over. Yeah, instant classic. Totally. Now the game itself, mm-hmm. we got Team LeBron versus Team KD no with KD. no KD. Yeah. So it's Team Embiid at this point. I think Embiid's the top vote getter off that team outside of Durant. Yeah. I mean they're not calling it Team Embiid, but. I will honorarily call it that. <laughs> um, starting lineups wise, I'm. I already know who I'm picking. I'm taking Team LeBron. Yeah. Looking, oh my. Oh the, my the God. Team LeBron team. Team LeBron. Are you, I was like, Giannis, are, you, are you kidding Le- me? LeBron himself, Giannis, Curry, Demar Derozan, and Jokic. That's the team. That's I. I like. How this is set up? <laughs> this is set up as playground playground rules. Come, it's it's one pick each at a time. How do you <laughs> let LeBron get Giannis and even Curry? Ju- even Giannis and Jokic, just the two of them, and then well, you know, you know that either of them is gonna get Embiid or Jokic. So yeah. at that at that <laughs> point, you're already, I mean, Team Durant isn't gonna stand a chance though. It's not even gonna be close. Team Durant is Joel Embiid. And they have Andrew jo- Wiggins. Let me, Morant, let's, let's just say Tatum, let's just Andrew say they Wiggins. have Andrew Wiggins. Whoever <laughs> has Andrew Wiggins is losing because he's the weakest link out of everyone. And Jason Tatum wasn't even originally a starter. Yeah, that's just uh, Team LeBron start. blowout. My my prediction. I I also I echo that statement. Um, it's not even it's not even gonna be close. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm 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 more excited to see Lamelo Ball and and Joel Embiid <laughs> yeah. get playing time together than bench, yeah than the starting lineup because yeah, totally at that point I just want to see like funny stuff or like fun stuff happen in the All Star yeah. game because I know we we both know who's gonna who's gonna win it's not even gonna be close I I, I just want to see some uh, Curry logo threes that's really all I'm caring <laughs> but you, you know what? even some Giannis logo threes I don't think you have to worry about. Uh, well, Giannis logo threes that <laughs> that, that would what, be entertaining. I was gonna say I don't think you need to worry about Curry shooting logo threes because he's he he does that in the regular season. Yeah, so, true. all right, now let's go to our this or that. You could you could get with this or you can get with that. <laughs> you like that? I love, uh, it. love it. We're gonna do an All Star Game edition. Yeah. So I you could start it. You could start it. You you hinted at them, Jokic and Embiid. Just for the All-Star game, not talking about MVP or anything, who would you rather have on your team? I mean, I'm biased, but I'm going I'm going Embiid. <laughs> okay. I mean, Embiid's just such a fun guy to have on your team as well. That's um, true. Especially in the All-Star like, game. In the All-Star all game, oh my vibes, God. He just, that'd be awesome. He's, like, he's so funny with everything that he does. I mean, people call Jokic funny. I, I don't really... I don't really follow Jokic enough. I don't really call I don't really call him or follow him enough to say that he is or like know him personality wise like that. <laughs> but like just knowing Embiid's personality and everything, like he's gonna be so funny. Yeah. And just I feel like he's I feel like there might actually be 
a, a time where he tries to post up and dunk on Jokic just because <laughs> just because of the internet feud that every that everyone knows is Embiid or Jokic, Embiid or Jokic. Yep. Who are you taking? I'm excited. And knowing Jokic's weak defense, I'm waiting for an Embiid poster <laughs> on Jokic. I'm waiting for it, and I I will be in my roommate's face when that happens <laughs> because he's a Nuggets fan. He's from Denver, so I will be very excited if that does happen, and I won't stop bragging about it. <laughs> Are you taking Embiid or Jokic? Uh, um, I'll take Jokic just so I don't have to take Embiid. Not, I, not that I dislike Embiid, but I Jokic is such an such an anomaly as a player. Um, height, assist, passing the ball, rebounding, shooting. He has all of these assets to his game that are so unique to him. Um, and in the All Star game. You also have to look at the people he's playing with, yeah. and him having a stronger team will definitely elevate his game. Um, no disrespect to Embiid, but I mean, to- totally, I I do agree that like the team aspect of it, but like if we're talking one on one, I'm going Embiid every time, all right, all the time. Fair enough. Now my this or that is, it's actually like three people. Okay. Like who this or that? Just or I mean, this? like <laughs> this, like this or that. Like, who's going to be the MVP? LeBron, Giannis, or Curry? I think, because I think it's between those two. Or you could or you could even throw in an other. I'm, uh, I'm going to take the other and go with DeMar DeRozan. I think okay. DeMar, DeMar's been a bit of a feel-good story this year. Everything he's done for the Bulls, the number one in the East. I'll go with DeMar. Um, I know Giannis had that amazing 100% shooting game in the All-Star game a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um everything's about LeBron as it always is. Curry's having a great season. I'll take the underdog of that starting lineup and I'll take DeMar DeRozan as my All-Star game MVP. See, I like that pick, but I can just tell you right now that you're going to end up being wrong because <laughs> the All-Star game is in Cleveland. LeBron is the captain and LeBron's going to make it about him. He's back <laughs> home. He's easily going to get every single type of cheer and everything towards him. Not only because he's LeBron, but because he's back home in Cleveland. This is going to be his third time returning now. Or, well, not third time returning, but you know what I mean. Getting back to Cleveland. Yeah. He's going to raise that trophy and uh, maybe maybe a little bit of a callback. Uh, you know, say, you know, Cleveland, this is for you. I don't you know, think something he's, like I don't, that. I don't think he's gonna say Cleveland. <laughs> this is for you after winning an All Star game. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he will. But it'd be pretty funny if he did. Um. All anyway, right, I'm I going. Le- I'm going safe choice. I'm going LeBron just right. because I feel like. How could you not if the All Star game's in Cleveland? Well, Demar Derozan is a good option too. <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll root for. I'll root for Demar for you. I will. I'd rather be proved wrong because I really would rather not keep seeing just LeBron All Star MVPs over yeah. and over again. But, you know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Entertaining game this Sunday, hopefully. That's all I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. Now with the All-Star game, comes a mi- comes the break, comes the mid-season. A chance to catch your breath, reflect on everything chan- we've seen. chance to take, take a week off and just breathe a little. Yeah, totally. But with that, we also need to debate on who's winning these awards at the end of the season. Uh-huh. And... You know who who's underperforming at this point. So you want to start off with the with the biggest award and go to the bottom, or, or go the opposite way. Uh, let's go the opposite way. All right. So most disappointing player or team. 
Uh, for me, hard to say, the New York Knicks and Julius Randle specifically. That team has become unwatchable. In the last seven games, they've blown a 20-point lead three times. Epic meltdown against the Nets last night, uh, Wednesday night. Um, they are unwatchable. They are terrible. Um, they were the four seed last year. Randall, all-star, one most improved player. Sky-high expectations for the Knicks for the first time in nearly 10 years. And they have come out and flopped. They are in the bottom of the barrel of the Eastern Conference. They've returned to the laughing stock that they are by far and away most disappointing player and team for me. Um, I'm... The team... The team, the Knicks, yes, are, are included in my in my uh, thing, but I'm more specifically just going with this, this New York City because I think the mm, Knicks and the I Nets like both of them are both very very disappointing. Yeah, um, the Nets before the James Harden trade, um, three All Stars mm-hmm. should have been the top team in the East. Yeah. I mean, given the circumstances with Kyrie, with Kyrie, I guess we can give you a little bit of padding, but you still have KD and Got James plenty. Harden, yeah, that and be Blake enough. and Blake Griffin, yeah, and Lamarcus Aldridge, and Lamarcus Aldridge, that that should and be Patty enough. Mills, that and all, just all these players. This that should be more than enough to be the top seed in the East, or yeah. if not the top, a top three seed in the East. Yeah, and they're sitting at number eight right now. Yeah, especially in the Eastern Conference That's, that has been struggling that the is, entire season more than normal. Every team has had their problems, their yeah. fair share of problems. And I feel like the Nets are out here complaining and crying about it, but they have KD and Kyrie, two of the best players in the game, on their team. Mm-hmm. So no one's feeling any sympathy. And to echo your statement about the Knicks, making the playoffs last year, Julius Randle most improved. And where are they sitting right now? Oh, the number 12 seed. Nine under, games under five hundred. Under and, and underneath the Wizards as well. Mm-hmm. The Wizards. <laughs> That's just it's concerning. It's very, it's very sad to see for Knicks fans who actually thought they had hope coming up yep. a little bit going going forward. I mean, you yourself could, mm-hmm. like, they started they started to actually have something going for them, and it's just it's not nothing, nothing there, not yeah, nothing, nothing going going well. Um, we didn't put this in here, but I do want to talk about a team that's been surprising me is the Timberwolves. Mm. They're a seven seed right now and finally actually making a push to maybe make the playoff or a play in for, for the first time since I think they've drafted Wiggins and uh Wiggins, Towns, yeah, all of them. Yeah. Um I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I love it. I love Anthony Edwards on that team. I love uh Malik Beasley. I love D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. the team is surprising me. I love seeing them there ahead of the Lakers too. Let's yep. let's talk about disappointing for them as well. Oh my God, Russell Westbrook, that has been a disaster. Disaster. Westbrook Ru- Westbrook's life. actually, I, I didn't, I I completely skipped over it. Westbrook is actually my most disappointing player. Okay. Um, I've always thought that Westbrook was a little bit overhyped. Very unpopular opinion because it's of fair. because of because Tri- of what he's done. Triple double he's, stat patter. I've heard that. Well, I mean, he's his triple double accolade, amazing. It mm-hmm. Probably won't. I mean, it, I think it's bound to be touched again at some point in history because not for a while though. But yeah, it's gonna sit there for a while. But I mean, the man, same situation as 
almost the same situation as Brooklyn. Goes to a team with LeBron and AD, mm-hmm. and he does nothing but struggle. He's He got benched. He's not even starting anymore, mm-hmm. and the team is just in shambles. AD went down with another injury last night. Yeah. Um, nothing more I could really say except for the fact that just disappointing overall. I mean, totally. for totally. a man that used to average triple-doubles from going there and on the bench before he's even hit age 38 like LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, LeBron James is a freak of nature, but he's supposed to be an NBA superstar, and mm-hmm. it's just not adding up. Not at all. So let's go to let's go to coach of the year. Okay. So who do you – well, I put coach and exec of the year together. We could just talk about one if you want, but – my pick for coach and exec of the year both actually go to Chicago. Interesting. Because I think Chicago, ex- executive-wise, made the best moves this offseason. Um, getting Caruso, getting DeRozan, and now they're a top t- top top two seed in the, in the East. Yeah, number one um, as of now. Oh, they are number one. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure because them and, them and Miami keep fluctuating. Mm-hmm. So... They are up. Half they're up game. half a game. Yeah. So, I think Chicago is rolling strong, and I, I don't think they're slowing down. Um, coach of the year as well, going to uh, Billy Donovan of the of the Chicago Bulls. Um, just great job all around, front office and coaching wise by the Bulls. It's just it's been a great year for them. Yep. I think they're usual utilizing all of their acquisitions perfectly Definitely. and actually they're signing Tristan Thompson as well once mm-hmm. he gets once he gets on the buyout market so I think that's a great signing for them I think they're they've got a great road ahead of them um we'll talk playoffs later down the road but as of right now I think the the Bulls are looking very good I concur with the Bulls for exec of the year um obviously having such a large turnaround last season to this one or for coach of the year I'm going to go back to Phoenix with Monty Williams. And obviously they ha- there are high expectations for the Suns coming off of a finals appearance last season. But I'd say they've even broken those expectations. Not only are they number one in the West, they've got a six-and-a-half game lead on Golden State. They are bar- by far and away, generally speaking, the best team in the Western Conference. And I think Williams is a large part of that. They've got the talent but he's utilizing the talent to the best of their ability. He's been instrumental in Aiton's development, as you spoke about. The Suns Suns are who they are largely because of Monty Williams. He has my vote for Coach of the Year. I think Monty Williams is a great pick. And let's, I mean, you said best best team in the West. I'd say best, I mean, easily best team in the NBA. Having a a six-and-a-half game lead on Golden State is not easy at all. And... Not to mention they only have 10 losses right now mm-hmm. halfway through the season. It's insane. Uh, so let's go to six-man of the year. Who do, you, who do you have for six-man? I think most people have this Tyler Hero of uh, Miami. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't like actually do any research on Tyler Hero, but like you know, he's the six-man of the year. All right, so. well, well my, my pick for six-man is not Tyler Hero. What? It's actually – I see – it's weird because my pick for six man hasn't really played six man all year because Clay came back and oh. Poole was moved to the bench. Okay. So if Clay originally started at the beginning of the season, my preseason predictions yeah would have been Jordan, Jordan Poole, Poole, 
All right. But Jordan Poole is also sticking as my prediction now because of the role that he's taken on ever since Clay came back in January. Okay. So I'm sticking with Jordan Poole, fantastic player. Not much really needs to be said. His game speaks for it all. Yeah. So just going to stick with him and roll on with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, rookie of the year. Uh, most people are going to say Evan Mobley uh, out of USC. He's playing great for Cleveland. Um, so that's my pick for right now. However, as we go towards the final stretch of the NBA in the second half of the season, Josh Giddy of Oklahoma City is a teen. He's 19 years yep. old. He yep. is having a historical season, specifically in terms of triple doubles. Um, he's the second rookie ever to record a triple double in three consecutive games, the only other being Hall of Famer Oscar Robinson, who did it in the 1960 to 61 mm-hmm. season. 60 years is the last time someone did that. It's insane. Now, Mobley has done a little bit more for Cleveland across the board, game in-game consistently consistency. Sure, love it. But with a 20-something games to go with Giddy, I think he is definitely someone to watch. He can make a push for it. Um, I'm not expecting him to average a triple-double over <laughs> the course of the final uh, we'll couple see. months of the season. We'll see. But... Pay attention see, to him. Triple doubles are very common from players in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Just, just not championships. Well, <laughs> that's not um, what the award is for. <laughs> so my rookie of the year pick, obviously, is also Evan Mobley. Um, fantastic player. Cleveland's been on a roll yep. as, as of late, as of, well, as of the entire season. Yeah. Um, honestly, just, just a team that isn't getting enough recognition. Um, yeah. Mobley's looked amazing throughout the entire season, and shouldn't be given anything else but the award yeah. i like that i like that giddy pick though yeah. um he's been playing great as of late like you said the triple double stat was crazy yeah. um he's a great shooter mm-hmm. he'll he'll be great for oklahoma city if they continue to run with him and an sga yeah uh most in most improved yes most improved i'm gonna go with john moran and i already know you got something I'm, to say? I, I do, because I don't think he should be in the running for most improved. Why not? Why See, not? He was already considered rookie of the year. How how is how has he been even even more? He's averaging like, he's averaging seven more points per game this season. There's been an uptick he, in his point production. Yeah, but he's I already he's, I already he's had a, he's had a lot more a lot more of an offense like offensive weight put onto his shoulders. Like he's had to control the offense a lot more. I already I understand that he was already one of the top players in the league, but there is always room for improvement, and in my opinion, Morant has taken that step from above average to superstar player. And the name, his name was a superstar player um, because of the dunks and all of that that comes along with him. But for me, he's higher up. He's my most improved player of the year as of now. Well, my most improved player is Charlotte's Miles Bridges. Um, Bridges... So I'm getting the stats up here. There. Um, he's up s- almost eight points per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's averaging seven more minutes per game. He has he, his his defense as well has just looked so much better. Uh, he's moving the ball a lot around a lot more. He's averaging almost two more assists per game. Um, he's averaging an, an extra rebound per game from last year. Um, He's just looked great all around. I think Bridges is a clear competitor for the award. Uh, Morant, again, not really a fan of that pick. I think he was already considered a superstar. 
I don't really know. Still if room can... for improvement. That's, I I that's I, why. I I agree. Everyone can improve more, but he was he was already projected to improve more by winning that rookie of the year award. I feel like the rookie of the year award is also a preview as to what this player could bring you. A preview as to you think this player is going to be great going forward in the future. So I don't really know if I I could put him in the most improved conversation just because yes he's improved. I'm not saying he hasn't, but he hasn't improved to the point where he's getting more recognition. He was already getting recognition. He's already looked just as great. Well, is most improved about recognition or is it about the internal improvement? Because, yeah, suppose, suppose LeBron, at this point of his in his career, he's averaging 28 or 29 points per game and however many assists, rebounds. Suppose he suddenly five more rebounds per game, four more assists, and 10 more points per game. That's... That would be the most improved player, even though it's LeBron. That's the definition of the award. By definition, that's why I take John Morant. I, 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 I get the Miles Bridges. I think the award normally goes more to the unspoken players who don't get the love they deserve, and I get Bridges. But for me, the de- by definition of the award, it's Morant. For right. me, at least. All right, all right. We'll agree to disagree. Yes, yes, sir. So to wrap this up, Who's winning MVP of the league? Who is our prediction here? Right now, if the season you ended, better say it. If the you season better say ended, it. If, let me talk. <laughs> if the season ended today, Joel Embiid. Yep. Yep. If no other. It, no key, other pick. Keyword if. Yes. If yes, the season obviously. ended today. However, obviously. I will say, with Harden coming there, I think Harden will take away from Embiid a little bit. I see. I agree. I agree. I think. Yep. I love Embiid. I think he's still going to have a great impact on the offense. However, Harden is going to take a little bit of that weight off his shoulder as well. Um, I think it's going to help him that Harden is there because there's going to be a lot more options that he has. However, we know how much Harden loves loves the ball and loves to score. Mm -hmm. Um, Embiid averaging the most points points per game in the league right now at almost 30. Yeah. Um, as a big man too. Yeah, I think but I think that is going to go down a little bit, which is going to be a little a little upsetting. Again, again though, uh I mean, I didn't say it before, but the team is searching for more than personal accolades as well. Um I think Embiid knows that as well. Um he's not really worried about the MVP. That's just an extra step towards a championship, but overall, I think all he wants is that ring. So I think he's very deserving of the award at this time. I think he was also last year deserving of the award. Yeah. Um, he's playing his best basketball right now. Loving to see it as a Philly fan. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't win the award overall, it'll be understanding because most likely it'll account to to the fact that Harden had joined the team and uh, accounted for a little yeah. bit more of the offense. Um, so as I said, right now Embiid, but as Harden gets more involved, uh, I think Philadelphia will improve as a team. But Embiid, his play won't get worse, but his role will decrease slightly. Meaning, I think the door can open up for DeMar DeRozan. This, and I know, see, I, I know that you're showing just, so just much me, love to just him. Just let man. me let me say a little bit of, about DeMar here. Um, he, I'm I not are, trying to dispute anything. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm I, loving the DeMar love. I've already said uh, he's changed Chicago around. He's made them a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference. Um, as well as Darius Garland. Or not Darius Garland. Why did I say that? Cut that out, bro. He's fucking on <laughs> Cleveland. Fuck me. Um, DeMar DeRozan has uh, been a huge part of why Chicago is playing to the ability that they are. And 
I said he's my pick for All-Star Game MVP. But in the last seven games, he scored 35 or more in seven straight games. And that is a huge part, having that upward trajectory, playing as this hot player with the hot hand going into the break, coming out of that, coming out of the break with 20-something games to go. The odds are against him, and it will be difficult. I'm not expecting him to average 35-plus every game. But if his points per game keeps going up and he does his usual six rebounds and five assists, I think there will at least be a discussion there. By rule, by, by definition, I'm a big fan of the definition of all of these awards, valuable player, Harden going to Philadelphia, takes away Embiid's value at least a little bit. See, I, I like that pick of DeRozan. I think that he is very valuable to the team. And I think that he, he, did, he has brought a lot to Chicago. I think Chicago is a lot better of a team with him on it. Um, to DeRozan's credit, I think a lot of people had forgotten about how well he could play as well totally. when he went to San Antonio because he was just thrown under the rug. They hadn't really uh-huh. done much. Um, I like his resurgence, and I like the fact that he's coming out um, out of it and bringing this young Chicago team to hopefully a great playoff run. Yeah. And we'll see what happens in the second half of the year, though. Yeah. So we'll be back here in April. We'll be back. We'll be <laughs> back talking about it. Anything else you got to say today, buddy? Uh, no, that uh, that concludes it for this week's uh, episode of the Slinging Sports podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media at Slinging Sports on Instagram and Slinging underscore Sports on Twitter. And now you can check us out on Spotify as well. Yeah, I mean if you're listening, huge. if you're listening on Spotify, you you know this, but. I mean that's that's a big advantage. Yes. Share the podcast to everyone. Everyone I mean, we, you know. we love we love to get new new listeners, new feedback. Even we if lo- they even if they don't like sports. Uh, even if they just want to hear our beautiful voices. Yeah. I mean there's anything, plenty of reason. Anything. There's plenty of reason. Well, that'll be it for this week. Yep. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening and have a good one. Bye bye. <laughs>